Jeff, thank you. As I anticipated, standing in the pulpit here at First Christian today, trying to be open to what message should come to us, I thought about where we are. On the one hand, we're almost complete in our new beginnings process, a process that has given us a better sense of who we are and what what we can do and what we need to do. And now, on the other hand, using what we've learned, the search committee is seeking a minister to come and work with us, to lead us as we move into the next stage of the life of this congregation. I want to address that situation this morning. Through the years in my pastoral ministry, I became a checklist and notes guy. I carried blank three by five cards in my pocket to help with this. And while I wrote things down and made notes and planned for things, I didn't always check it, but when I did, it helped me remember what I needed to do. But actually, as I thought about it this morning, while I need that card in my pocket to help me keep up with what's going on, now even I'm retired, that's not how we experience life, is it? We don't experience life in notes or checklists. We experience our lives in story form. When someone asks how you are, you tell what's going on. You tell a story about your life right now. Fortunately, as I try to understand what we need to learn today in our church, the Bible is full of stories. And so as I look to the Bible for guidance at our journey, this point in our journey this morning, I want to begin with two stories. Actually, they may be two stories familiar with you, but just in case they're not, I'm going to read the two stories and then explore them with you in the sermon. I invite you to listen this morning as I read first from 1 Samuel and then from the Gospel of Matthew. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. Saul and the Israelites gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and formed ranks against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley in between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath from Gath, whose height was almost 10 feet tall. He had a helmet of bronze on his head and he was wearing a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was about 150 pounds. He had protectors of bronze on his legs and a javelin of bronze hung between his shoulders. The shaft of the spear was like a weaver's beam and the spear's head weighed about 19 pounds and his shield bearer walked before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of the Israelites, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be servants 
for us and serve us. When Saul and the Israelite army heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed, greatly afraid. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite in Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse. Jesse had eight sons. The three eldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul into battle. David, the youngest, had remained at home. Jesse said to his son David, Take your brothers a bushel of parched grain and these ten loaves and carry them quickly to the camp. Also take these ten containers of cheese and give them to the commanders of their unit. See how your brothers fare and bring me some word from them. David found and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, Goliath came out of the ranks of the Philistines once more, and he spoke the same words as before. And David heard them. David said to King Saul, let no one's heart fail because of him. I will go and fight with this Philistine. David said to the, Saul said to David, you're not able to fight against this Philistine, for you're just a boy, and he's been a warrior since youth. But David said to Saul, I used to keep sheep for my father. And whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it, struck it down, rescued the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw and strike it down and kill it. I've killed both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defied the armies of the living God. David explained, the Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his personal armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped Saul's sword over the armor and then tried in vain to walk. For he was not used to them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I'm not used to them. So David removed them, and he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the bed of the stream and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand as he drew near to the Philistine. The Philistine advanced until he stood near David with his shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come out to me with sticks? But David said to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. When the Philistine moved nearer to David, David ran quickly forward. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone and slung it struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell down face to the ground. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine. He grabbed the Goliath's sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now from Matthew. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. When the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cared for their sick. 
When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place. The hour is now late. Send the crowds away so they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to the church today. It may not be a well-kept secret, but many of us who are ministers are always on the lookout for ideas that can be incorporated into the ministry of our churches. Go to any minister's conference and the book tables will be filled with books on programs and ideas to revitalize a church. Every magazine that a minister subscribes includes advertisements on stewardship and visitation and Christian education and leadership training and other programs. Some of them complete with CDs, flyers, posters, cards, and even sermons. Everyone, ministers and lay members alike, want the church to be strong and effective. We want our church to share the gospel, to meet the needs of people. What's going to be the source of that strength, of that effectiveness? Outside resources? Sometimes. Sometimes not. And what about churches like First Christian Church in Lafayette? We have a strong and a long and storied history of ministry as disciples in this community, in this state, indeed across the nation. Perhaps one of the major reasons for such a long and effective heritage of ministry and outreach is our willingness periodically to review in our outreach and ministry for its effectiveness and to try to renew it. For more than 179 years, we have renewed the ministry programs of this church to reignite vitality in the congregation. We've been open to new ideas, new ways of doing church, and that's kept this old church young in its life and ministry. Saul was the king of a young nation. This nation was now perceived as a threat by the Philistines. They lived along the southeastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And when they learned about the formation of this new nation, they dispatched their armies to take control of these Israelites. Saul mobilized his army to meet the Philistine army. And there they were. Like some ancient sports stadium, the battlefield in the valley below and then the Philistines on the mountain on one side and the Israelites on the mountain on the other side. Now, a common first move in ancient warfare was intimidation. Each army would try to convince the other that their opponents had no chance whatsoever and maybe they would surrender. This time the Philistine army had a major advantage. 
The first day after the armies were in place on the two mountains, a soldier emerged from the Philistine camp on the one mountain and challenged the Israelites to send out a champion to represent the Israelites. The two would fight in the valley below and the army of the loser would become the servant of the winner. And that would be the way they would settle it. That's a much less costly way to fight a war. And if it works, it's good. But King Saul wasn't sure what to do because the Philistine champion was almost 10 feet tall. He was clad in elaborate armor. He carried a large spear and a sword. He had an armor bearer in front of him to protect against any arrows that could be shot. And as you might guess, no one in the Israelite army wanted anything to do with this suggested contest, except one, David. David was a young shepherd who had been sent by his father to bring food to his three older brothers who were fighting in the army. He was ready to take on this challenger. King Saul had his own armor put on on David, but it was so heavy, David couldn't even walk. So he took off the unfamiliar gear picked up some stones as he walked to the floor of the valley to meet Goliath, who was, as you might guess, insulted that this young boy had come out to meet him. But when he ridiculed David, the shepherd put a stone in his sling and sent it straight to the forehead of the giant, just below the edge of the giant's helmet. He collapsed. Fast forward. Jesus was tired. He'd been teaching the large crowds that had come out to hear him. For several days, he had cured those that were ill, that were hurting. And he, had, he had worked and he had worked and he needed to rest. He needed to rest physically and spiritually. And so he gathered his disciples and said, we're going to get in a boat and go across the shore to the other side. It's kind of a desolate area and I'll have time to pray and rest and catch up. But many who saw Jesus head out realized where he was going. And they took off. They'd go around the lake. And almost by the time Jesus' boat arrived on the other side, there they were, still wanting to hear Jesus, still wanting the healing touch. And so Jesus had compassion on the crowd. And he continued to heal until dusk. Cautiously, one of the disciples interrupted Jesus. Lord, we've been here all day. No one's eaten. Perhaps you should stop now so they can go find food. Jesus looked at the disciples and then he made a strange reply. No need for that. You give them something to eat. Exasperated, the disciple explained, Lord, if we pulled all we have, it'd be no more than five biscuits and two small fish. So Jesus told them, bring the food you've got to me. He had the people sit down while he asked God to bless this food. And then the disciples distributed the food and everyone had enough. What guidance? What guidance do these two stories offer for us today? One from the Old Testament and one from the ministry of Jesus. What do they say to us here? First Christian Church in Lafayette, 19th day of August, 2018. Like David, I'm going to suggest we do not need new ill-fitting programs from the outside. 
Like the disciples by the seashore, we can give what we have, what's inside us to be blessed by Jesus and then continue to do wonderful things for Jesus in this community for Christ. Let me give you an example, several examples of what is inside you to carry out the mission of First Christian Church. First Christian Church has a large number of lay people who work and serve and lead with remarkable abilities and committed spirits. The church is full of those who recognize the importance of raising our children and our youth to know Jesus. We care about children and youth by providing Sunday school classes, Michelle's Kids Club, the CYF and VBS. We care about neighborhood kids with back to school bash. The First Christian elders and other members regularly visit and care about people. Our pastoral caregivers are important as a support for a number in our congregation. Members of First Christian Church welcome everyone who walks through those doors with a gracious spirit and a caring heart. Members of the church tell others about what is happening at First Christian and invite participation, some even providing transportation. Members care for and support families through Jubilee Christmas and the Mitten Tree and the Food Bank and the Food Resource Bank. Members connect with and care about one another in groups and women's circles, in men's group and others. This church is remarkably generous in support of missions led by the example of our women in the CWF with their long list of caring projects. Opportunities to grow spiritually are provided in Sunday school classes and Bible study opportunities. I know members who teach the Christian faith by the way they live their lives. And consider those who regularly prepare and present music that inspires us to worship God. We have a building that can be used to serve individuals and groups in our neighborhoods. I could go on, and I suspect you could add others, because you know this church. In a recent TV commercial that I like watching, a grand old historic house is renovated into a bed and breakfast. They refinish the wooden floors. They rebuild a damaged decoration by the fireplace. They arrange comfortable furnishings. They restore the grand beauty that the house once had. And this restoration was used as an example of what the advertised medication does, activating what's already inside you. Instead of injecting insulin, the shot activates the body to produce the needed insulin for those with type 2 diabetes. This morning, I encourage us, all of us, to let our faith reactivate what's inside us to energize our Christian life and the ministry of this church. I encourage you to give what you have to Jesus for his blessing as we continue to work for him here. Will you pray with me? Oh God, we need courage. We look at what's ahead of us, what needs to be done, and we falter. Give us courage to trust you. Give us courage to trust ourselves. Give us the faith to do what you ask. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.